Good evening. Welcome to Tuesday evening chat. Enjoying the snow? No? I am. It's a privilege to have Pastor Ruben with us tonight. Pastor Ruben's a uh, pastor at uh, Thor Thorn Creek Church in Thorn, Colorado. He's also a graduate of NBC, right? Uh, would you welcome him, Pastor Ruben? Lord, we feel your presence here with us tonight. We're convinced that you want us to worship you. You want the glory to go to you. And we give it to you gladly. You are our rock and our redeemer. All that we are, we owe to you. We celebrate that tonight. As we focus our attention tonight on your word and listen to your servant, we pray that you will speak to us in the way that we need to hear most. Take each of us, look into our hearts, and um, examine us. See if there be anything in us that makes you sad. Lead us in the way everlasting. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I've been asked to uh, introduce our guest tonight, and uh, Reuben is Reuben Villarreal is the pastor of Thorn Creek Church in North Denver. He uh, got uh, Thornton, Colorado, on his heart about nine years ago, and uh, moved his family there. His family of four, and. Um, said we'll start a church so they started with the four of them and nine years later they are uh, they are into three services a weekend uh, Saturday night Sunday morning Saturday night a service two Sunday services and uh, the uh, church is growing I believe it's growing it's now over 500 between five and six hundred I believe it's growing because Reuben has his heart straight so what we're going to experience tonight is coming from the lips of an authentic Christian. Reuben is concerned about anybody that walks in the door of his church, that they come to know Christ and that they live a life worthy of Christ. And uh, I think the thing that has impressed me with Reuben in these years has been the fact that he has been intentional in his uh, walk with God. And that is the basis, the foundation of all of his ministry. So he's put God first and cared about his relationship with the Lord first of all. And so um, I commend him to you. He was a student here uh, 20 years ago and came to us in about 91 and was a student till about 96. He took a staff position down here at uh, Springs First Church of the Nazarene for a number of years and then uh, felt God leading him to go uh, to North Denver and plant a church. So that's what he's been giving his life to and his, his energy to, and, and uh, he's truly a man of God, and I give him to you at this point because I have a lot of respect for him. Come, Reuben. Thank you. 
I almost gave him a kiss right on the lips for that introduction. That was very cool. <clears throat> well, giddy up. I was told I got 25 minutes, and normally my messages are about 37 minutes. So, uh, giddy up. Let's get going here. Um, <clears throat> I know you already prayed, but can you pray for me? Uh, would you be willing to do that right now as I speak? You're done. Uh, what are you doing? This is my 25 minutes, man. Yeah, I need to hurry this prayer. <laughs> Reuben has been struggling physically, and, uh, and I just think that the Lord wants to give him the strength to bring this message to us. Anything else I need to pray for? I'm just feeling a little under the way. He says physically. That's not like some kind of deformity or something. I'm, like, I'm, just, I'm just feeling a little under the weather. Not that we would talk about or pray about, right? Okay. <laughs> Let's do pray for Reuben. Thank you, Father, for giving him a message to share with us, and I pray that you will honor that. He'll be able to rise above, go beyond the uh, struggle he's having physically and, and just under the weather. I pray that you will bless him and bless us through your word in your name. Amen. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Um, <clears throat> hey, uh, this, this campus means a lot to me. And just walking around here, all kinds of memories. So I really count it as a privilege to be here. Uh, very much so, and uh, I, I was in your seat not too long ago, and uh, we have a big God. Uh, Ron asked me, how should I introduce you, Reuben? And I said, just tell them if God can use Reuben, God can use anyone, and that's a good way to look at it, guys. So, um, hey, Joshua chapter 3, um, I want to just read a few verses out of there. Um, Joshua intrigues me uh, because um, Joshua is the guy who leads the Israelites into the promised land, and uh, <clears throat> up to this point, all Joshua knows is how not to lead people into the promised land. All of his examples have been how not to lead people into this land of milk and honey. And of course, Joshua chapter 1, we read uh, this wonderful passage about God telling Joshua, you know, do not fear, be courageous, I am with you. You see that message over and over. And in chapter 3, this is when they're getting ready to take on, and I understand Proverbs chapter 3, 5 and 6 are, are kind of your, your verse for, for uh for, for your chapel services here. So Joshua chapter 3 makes a lot of sense. Here it is. Uh, I'm just going to read verse 8. Uh, when you come to the edge of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. Um, <clears throat> we might just blow by that verse and uh, not think a whole lot about it, but my prayer is that as I'm sharing with you the, the faith that has been required of, of me, and, uh, and I, no doubt you guys as well, uh, the faith that is required to be used by God and to encounter new territory. Um, I want to just be authentic and, and vulnerable with you guys because I've been there before. Um, <clears throat> I have this ladder up here, and, and I think about our, our faith and our trust in, in God, and much of it is kind of like climbing a ladder. Uh, you know, when we moved from Austin, Texas to Colorado Springs to uh, come over here to do this Bible college thing. Um, I <clears throat> didn't know what we were walking into, and, and we had a, a Polaroid picture. Do you guys know what a Polaroid is? You, have you heard of those things? A Polaroid picture of the front door of our duplex, and of course, they didn't show us the rest of the building, and uh, <laughs> it was terrible, and uh, we, we saw that. We, we, I mean, I remember those early days. It was just peanut butter and sex, and that's all it was. We didn't have any money, and that, that was life, and uh, we started coming to the Bible college, and we started you know, the Lord really started growing us, and, and, 
I lost you. I said the S-E-X word. I'm sorry. I'm not at Thorn Creek Church. I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> uh, so uh, we, uh, you know, wonderful, wonderful time, but it required some faith. And I remember coming here without a job. That was a real faith step for us. And I remember when we were looking for a place to serve God, early on I said, I don't want, to just, I don't want just a job. I want to be where God wants me to be. And I was willing to wait it out, and I was willing to exercise some faith. I can tell you, I remember driving up I-25 and looking in my rearview mirror at my two-year-old son, Josiah. And I remember thinking, we're going to start this church now. And we were leaving a wonderful church, Springs First Church, and they had a whole bunch of kids there. And everybody knew, um, you know, I was on staff and kind of knew my kid, and I was taking him to a place where we had, like, no people. <laughs> there was no kids' ministry. There was none of that stuff. And, and I remember that was just another rung in, in my faith step. And what I've discovered is as you, as you live a life of faith, you know, what was faith yesterday is no longer faith for you today. Uh, you continue to be obedient to God. Um, <clears throat> I want to talk to you about, a, a, you know, there's a difference when you exercise faith and you move, let's say, from Austin, Texas to Colorado Springs. You know, the people around you recognize that faith, and most of the time it's those who are closest to you, maybe your spouse, maybe your children. Um, and, and as God blesses and as you start moving up this ladder, little by little, uh, the faith that you demonstrate becomes more and more public. And it's, it's more scary. <laughs> it's more scary as, as, as the Lord blesses you and, you and you grow in your walk with God, and, and all of those things happen um, you just are seeing um, much more. Uh, we have gotten a lot of attention from the denomination because of what God has done. And uh, I never asked for it, but I, I recognize that there are a lot of eyes on, on Thorn Creek. And my part is, I'm thinking, boy, I don't want to screw it up. You know, I just don't want to screw it up. And over and over, I'm looking at my own heart and asking God to do an inventory in my own heart. And, uh, and, and he does that. I want to read the first few verses in Joshua chapter 3, go a little bit earlier. Joshua rose early in the morning, and he and all the sons of Israel set out from Shittim and came to the Jordan. <coughs> and they lodged there before they crossed. At the end of three days, the officers went through the midst of the camp, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God with the Levitical priests carrying it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. And in verse 4, however, and this is the part that really gets me. There shall be between you and it, and it a distance of about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. Wow. Um, <clears throat> my first thought is what happened in the life of Joshua? That he's now at this point where he is willing to exercise this detailed obedience to God. And God tells him, I don't want you to get, you know, <clears throat> don't get any closer than 2,000 cubits. And, and you just get the impression that Joshua is like, okay. And God tells him, you've never, you've never been this way before. You've never passed this way before. I need your complete detailed obedience. Uh, what I have discovered as I've walked with God and as God has blessed us is God cares about that detailed obedience in my life. He cares about it. Um, <clears throat> when I was attending Bible college here, um, I, I think... I can speak for myself and, and my friends, there was kind of this nomadic mentality that I was just passing through. You know, <clears throat> my, my life will look different when I'm in ministry. The I will rise to the expectations when I'm serving, you know, wherever that may be. And I am passing through. 
And um, if you believe that, guys, that your obedience doesn't matter today, you are off. Um, your obedience today tells God what he can entrust you with for tomorrow. And many times when I'm there at Thorn Creek and I'm sitting in the front row and I'm enjoying worship and I look back and I see a whole bunch of people, I just feel humbled that God would entrust me with these souls in spite of me. And there have been times in my life where I, I can tell you I was at a Blockbuster video store, you know, before Netflix. <laughs> I was at a Blockbuster video store and I'm walking, you know, there's certain aisles at Blockbuster video store that that are not good aisles for pastors to walk in. Do you remember those aisles? And uh, <clears throat> have you been there before? So um, <clears throat> I remember looking at one, and I'm all by myself. No one around is from Thorn Creek Church. And I'm, I'm looking at this, and this, at this time we were running probably right around 100 or something like that. And I'm looking at the front cover, and it's a beautiful airbrushed woman. <laughs> and I'm looking at her, and, and something in me tells me, turn it around, there's more in the back. And right there, I'm in this, uh, this, is, this, is where, this is where you're determining the blessings of God, the anointing of God. And I put it back. I did not turn it over, and I walked away. Now that moment right there that I just described to you may seem like not a big deal, but that was huge. That was huge. And God is looking for people who are willing to live a holy, righteous, obedient life when no one else is looking. And when he sees that in you, it doesn't matter how articulate you are. It doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter what your resume looks like. He just wants to know, can he use you? Can he entrust you? Can he entrust you? And those moments tell God that, that you know, you're ready to go to the next rung on the ladder. And, and they, it builds your faith as you continue to go forward. Building up trust in God starts with this detailed obedience in your life. <clears throat> God showed me a scripture in Jeremiah. You know, there are some verses that the Lord showed me in, in my Bible that just kind of jumped off the page. And he showed me this, this passage when I was down at the... Uh, I feel like right now I'm maybe at the second rung. I don't feel like I'm very far up. But uh, he showed me this passage, Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 5. If you have run with footmen and they have tired you out, then how can you compete with horses? If you fall down in a land of peace, how will you do in the thicket of the Jordan? Um, you know, it matters to God when you change the channel. It matters to God. It matters to God when you don't click on that pop-up window. It matters to God when you don't click on that image. God sees that. If you fall down in a land of peace, how will you do in the thicket of the Jordan? You know, the thing that probably terrifies me more than anything else is um, <clears throat> I don't want to lose the anointing of God in my life. As a preacher, the thing that scares me to death is preaching a message and my words just falling like 10 feet in front of me. You know, and, and it's possible for you to do ministry without the anointing of God. It's possible for you to go through the motions as a pastor, a ministry leader, and you could even look like a really good person. The rich young ruler looked pretty good too. 
Um, <clears throat> but don't ever sacrifice the anointing of God. And the way the anointing of God comes is when you exercise that detailed obedience. And you don't let anything get in the way between you and your love for God and his kingdom. Because so much is at stake. So much is at stake. When I was sitting in your seats, it never dawned on me. I never dreamed how the Lord was going to use me. And now as the Lord has used me, I know who's responsible. I know who gets all the glory. I know who gets all the honor because I know who I am. Um, Don't sacrifice the anointing of God. Um, I'm so grateful that we started Thorn Creek Church with three people. I really am. Um, Because if we started Thorn Creek Church with a thousand people, I think that would have broke my back. I don't think I was ready. I don't think uh, my character was ready. Uh, I, I know we have a tendency to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. And I just don't think I was that great. Um, <clears throat> I still don't think I'm that great. But we started with three people. And when we first started, uh, we, we, uh, we first uh, met in our living room. And I went around knocking on doors. And, and uh, I had a little system, like a red hot chili pepper with someone who was really interested in the church, and a green chili pepper, I don't know, I'm a minority, so I use chili peppers or something. So I just had these little things of, of like, okay, this is an interest level of, of whether it would come. But I knocked on all these doors, and I, I expected about 10 families to show up on this night, and I just remember we had a big bowl of Chex Mix from Sam's Club, and um, I'm waiting for this parade of people to come marching down my sidewalk and knock on my door. They were late, and we had a total of three adults. And that was the start of Thorn Creek Church in our living room. And then a few months later after that, we had our first public meeting. It was at the Fairfield Inn. We were meeting in this room. And uh, <clears throat> there at the Fairfield Inn, <coughs> um, I was expecting, we used this company called Telstart. And there were 21 households that were interested in a new church. We invited all of them, and it was one of those cold Colorado nights. And I remember... Uh, like yesterday, boy, the Lord was just building up my faith. I was just working through this ladder thing. He was building it up. And I remember a total of five adults showed up to our very first public meeting. Preached my heart out. But the whole time while I was preaching, I was thinking, God, am I off? I thought this was your gig. I thought I was in the middle of your, your will. And I, I brought with me a transcript. This is my journal entry after the day of five adults showing up. Last night, we had our first Wednesday night meeting since Telstart. We had Sam, Bev, Garrett, Tricia, Jerry, Scott, and us. It was discouraging. We had 16 families commit to being there Wednesday night. The weather was very cold, and I'm wondering if that had something to do with it. You know, I sound like a pastor already, don't I? You can tell. <clears throat> I woke up this morning with some questions. Is my faith too big? Am I realistic? What else could I do? Why would God give us 21,500 square feet? What are we missing? The kind of questions that forced me to rethink some things. I believe God is under control. It's so scary. I really feel like I'm living in my own world and I'm the only one that can determine the color of the sky and describe the surroundings. Am I fooling myself? God, you are my God. You gave me a word a couple of days ago. Is there anything too hard for God? 
search my heart, leadership skills, and mold me. I need you to remind me that you are in control. Please send his families. I pray that the 16 families come next week. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, you know, when you exercise these uh, steps of faith in your life, so many times it doesn't, doesn't make sense to others. And you exercise these steps of faith and obedience, and, and you trust God, and it's a terrifying thing. Trusting God means also that you're okay with not being ready. And you're okay with where you're at. When you keep reading in Joshua, it says this, Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Wow. And Joshua spoke to the priests, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over ahead of the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went ahead of the people. Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Um, you know, the most productive thing you can do is to consecrate yourself before God. Humble yourself before God. Invite him to search your heart and continually be a living sacrifice before him. That's the most productive thing you can do. The most productive inbox you can look at is your Bible. Reading your Bible every day. Make it a habit. And I have a rule of thumb. I don't even turn on my TV until after I've read my Bible. I don't start the day until after I've read my Bible. I don't do any of that stuff. I've learned trusting God and humility are powerful combinations. Powerful combinations. When we were running them, <clears throat> I don't know, about 100, 120, I remember um, driving to um, Super Target and uh, Barnes and & Nobles and seeing all the people there, and I remember telling God, God, you can draw people to Thorn Creek Church, just like all these people here at Super Target. And I, I said this prayer, and it was like I was giving God a pep talk. You know, God, I know you can do it kind of thing. And uh, walking into Super Target, and there was a family of three people right in front of me. And, and it was a mixed-race family. They're like from me to this front row, and I was behind them. And I was praying, I said, God, you can bring in these three people. And this is like on a Thursday. And the very, very next Sunday, those three people were at Thorn Creek Church. And God showed me early on, Reuben, I'm going to build this church. I am your parent church. I am going to provide the core team. Your job is to be faithful and obedient to me. Keep walking by faith. And so that's why now as the church has grown, what do I have to brag about? Seriously, what do I have to brag about? Uh, <clears throat> John Ortberg said this. For many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. It is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. What do you think about that? What version of faith are you living? Version 1.7, you're going to stay there? What does it look like? Um, <clears throat> probably the thing that scares me the most is when I get to heaven, I'm terrified of this, and this is maybe I need to go through counseling or something, but I'm terrified that God is going to show me this warehouse of who I could have been and what I could have done. That's a terrifying thought for me. I don't want to be that person. I don't want to have regrets. That's why I'm just going to live it all open, open throttle, and I'm going to push. I'm going to push hard. Too many times we settled in our own version of faith. When you look at Jesus, he was constantly challenging his disciples to step up their faith. Luke 9 says this, 
Now the day was ending, and the twelve came and said to him, Send the crowd away, that they may go into the surrounding villages and countryside and find lodging and get something to eat. For here we are in a desolate place. Sometimes I get the feeling that the disciples really didn't care much for the people. You ever get that feeling? <clears throat> but he said to them, You give them something to eat. And they said, We have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless perhaps we go and buy food for all these people. You give them something to eat. Um, uh, I was at home last year. I guess it was around May 2011. And we saw on the news uh, the terrible tornado that hit Joplin, Missouri. You guys remember that? That F5 twister? Crazy stuff. So I, I don't know about you, but sometimes I see something on TV and my heart is just stirred and I just pray. I just pray. So I... I, I got out of bed, and I, I got on my knees, and I prayed, and I, I got back up on my bed, and I just felt the Lord say, um, you're not done. So I just prayed again, <laughs> and then I got back up, and then he said, you're not done. Well, the next day, my assistant comes to my office, and she says, what are we going to do about Joplin? And I'm looking at her thinking, you know, what, is, what are you doing? You know, <laughs> you're not in my bedroom. What are you doing? And... Uh, I said, well, um, why don't you do this? Why don't you contact a couple of Nazarene churches there in the Joplin area? And the whole time I'm thinking, I, I don't, I, you know, <clears throat> at this point, you know, as, as the church grows, uh, more and more people see your faith as you're coming up here. So when people ask you questions like, what are you going to do? It's, it's like, it's no longer a private act of obedience and faith. And it's a little bit, it's, it becomes more scary to exercise faith as, as, as the Lord blesses you. So I, 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 uh, we had a meeting actually down south at Denver First Church and went down there. And while I was in the car, I had three other staff members and they're asking me the same question. Hey, what are we going to do about Joplin? And uh, I, uh, I, I came back from that meeting. I actually ta I talked to Pastor uh, Joplin uh, <coughs> Church of the Nazarene. Uh, Pastor Jay Dick is his name. You might, might know him. So I talked to Pastor Jay, and, and uh, he was telling me, about, he said, are you going to come? I said, oh, I'm just asking. I'm just asking. So I come back. And again, they're like surrounding me. They're like hound dogs. Said, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And they're just waiting for me to speak out on faith. And I said, uh, we're going to go. We're going to go. Now, at this point, I have no idea what to expect. So I just said, yes. Um, shortly after that, um, it just starts building up. And within two weeks, we are on uh, three news stations in Denver, Channel 9, Channel 7. Uh, American Family Furniture Warehouse contacts us, and they provide a semi-truck, uh, fuel, and a driver. Next thing you know, we have people coming from Castle Rock to Fort Collins bringing furniture and appliances. And this thing is, gets legs on it, and I can't keep up. We go on over there to Joplin, and we're helping out people, and, and you see the devastation, and it's hard to get your mind wrapped around. If you've seen tornadoes, it's just, I see, I have a whole different view of tornadoes after that. And our people, we took about 30, no, gosh, I guess about 45 people or something like that the first time. And uh, it's moving. It's just rocking your world, your understanding of, of just a lot of stuff, and it's changing our people. The ones who are there that are serving are being changed 
They are discovering what it means to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. You know what scares me, guys? What if I would have said no? I mean, we could have just wrote a check and called it good. What if, we, what, what if I had said no? There was this whole chain of events that happened because I said yes. And it didn't only impact me. It impacted all these people. We took a second trip. American Furniture Warehouse again came to us and we loaded it to the gills again. And now our men are going out there in a few weeks to help build. What if I would have said no? See, when you say yes to God, you unleash a whole chain of events that are bigger than you. But it starts with your own personal obedience. And, and God loves wet faith. How am I doing in time? Is it time? Am I done? All right, let's pray. No. <laughs> right, I'll be quick. Everybody wants to go back to study. Uh, verse 7. Uh, now the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel. And they may know that just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. Isn't that cool? It's all about God. You shall moreover command the priests who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant, saying, when you, there it is again, when you come to the edge of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. Oh, um, let me tell you something. Uh, we, we've, we've experienced a lot of wonderful things, and uh, by God's grace. And even as the church has grown, um, I have been gripped by fear. Uh, I went to General Assembly um, a few years ago, and uh, we spent time in the Bahamas. We have friends there, and I, I like to fish, so we went fishing and stuff. And uh, I was in, in the water with my, at the time, my daughter, Hannah. She had to been like five years old or something. And I'm, I'm in there with her in the water, and the Lord is stirring my heart about going to the next level. Stirring my heart. And uh, I'm holding my daughter in the ocean, and we were only about chest deep in the water. It was very calm, and she's just got a white knuckle grip on me. I mean, and she said, Dad, don't let me go. And I laughed. I said, well, sweetheart, come on. Think I'm just going to watch you, you know, go sink? I mean, right here? I mean, you think I'm just going to? And I laughed. As soon as I laughed, God spoke to me and said, Reuben, what are you afraid of? I've got you. And so many times, even in the middle of success, even in the middle of success, fear can grip you. And you become so terrified of, man, this feels so good. Why do I have to go up another rung? You know what I mean? This is great, God. Let's just hang out here. This is cool. And God says, no. There's more. It starts with your faithfulness. It starts with your obedience. It starts with changing the channel. It starts with you loving him more than anyone or anything else and being willing to risk it for the kingdom. That's where it always starts. You know, since Thorn Creek, gosh, we've been, we're starting our third church this, this summer. And we do crazy things. We feed 5,000 people every November and we're adopting a village in Peru and all that stuff. But I know who's holding on to me. I know who deserves all the glory and all the credit. And God have mercy on me. If I ever let fear grip me, or God have mercy on me, if I ever give up his anointing, God have mercy on me. If I ever let my past hurts keep me, 
from growing in Christ and rob me. That's a whole other message, guys. Um, hey, I want to open it up, guys. Um, we're about done, right? Um, if you need to get right with God, um, would you just come forward? You guys know how to do this already, but do it for the right reasons. If you have sin in your life and you've been screwing up, then come and get right with God and do it right now while you still have the grace of God and you still have the grace of God covering you and you still have breath in your, and you're at a place right now where the future is wide open. So get right with God and don't compromise the anointing of God. All right, done. I know you want to thank Reuben tonight for, for coming and, and ministering to us, ministering God's word to us. And we pray for you, Reuben, and uh, your church, your congregation, that God will continue to use you in a mighty way. Father, hear our prayers tonight. Those prayed around these altars and the prayers prayed as we stand we do come just as we are but we really don't want to leave just as we are we want to leave changed empowered to truly be people of faith and I pray for Reuben tonight and his family Pray for his health, that you would strengthen him, Lord, as, as the week goes on Sunday approaches. Give him strength, we pray, in his spirit and in his body. And bless the Thorn Creek Church, Lord. May they truly, truly be disciples of Jesus in this world. And now, Father, as, as we leave this place and go back to our, our room of preparation, may you continue to speak to us and lead us as your people, as your called ones. This we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you.